Welcome into the fifth down the Houston Chronicles Texans podcast. Jerome Solomon here, along with Jonathan Alexander, the beat writer for the Chronicle covering Houston Texans. I'm the Chronicle columnist, and uh, clearly, Jonathan, just to get it started off on the right note, the Texans haven't lost since we started the podcast. So obviously, we're affecting the play, we're affecting the team's luck, we're affecting everything that's happening with the team. Well, we should be getting some credit for this, right? Exactly. Ever since we started, they've won three consecutive games. So we're obviously their good luck charm. So, you know, I, I want y'all to to take notice. As this podcast goes, the Texans are going to continue to win. Yeah, give us some love. And if you love the Texans, you better give us some love. On Obviously, uh, we're a little tongue-in-cheek there, but they are winning games in different kinds of ways, these these games have been tight and they've pulled out, you know, two-minute drives to win games in the final play. They've lost a couple games on the final couple plays on late last-second kicks. The way they won Sunday's game against the Arizona Cardinals, 21-16, the defense stepped up. The offense, no points scored by the Texans in the second half. The defense shut down the Cardinals at crunch time, fourth down, the last three possessions for the Cardinals when they needed a touchdown to take the lead, ended on downs in Texans territory, so the Texans had to make plays on third and on fourth down to get that done. How impressive was this defensive performance? Yeah, it was extremely impressive. You know, like you mentioned, the Texans have been involved in six one-score games in each of the last six weeks, and they've won their last four, or, or they've won their last three, I'm sorry. They've won their last three, and two of those wins, not including last week, was because of the offense. The offense oftentimes had to bail out the defense when the defense couldn't hold, and the opposing team like the Bucks and the Bengals went downfield and, and either took the lead or, or tied the game. And this time, you know, the offense was struggling. CJ threw three interceptions today, including two in the fourth quarter, and the Cardinals had three opportunities in the fourth quarter to take the lead. There are three drives in the fourth quarter. They ended up with fourth down on three of those drives, and each time their defense held up. So that was a credit to defense kind of getting over that hump. You know, They talked about it after the game that that had been their focus in recent weeks working on a two-minute drill. Jimmy Ward had brought it up to D'Amico Ryans and the leadership council that they have and said that we need to work on the two-minute drill more. And they began to practice it more, and, and obviously it's paying off. Uh, by their three consecutive wins these last week. Yeah, and, and let's dive into the defense a little bit, um, particularly Will Anderson Jr., who had a a lot of impact on the game from start to finish, really, including the last play, uh, last offensive play for the Cardinals when he had the pressure on and um, the pass was broken up down in the secondary. And Derek Stingley Jr., an interception. He played really well. He missed so many games during last year and this year with injuries. He looks healthy now and, and finally had an impact. Talk about the young guys on the defense uh, doing damage. Yeah, you will answer a lot. I often do my mailbag on Wednesdays, Wednesday morning, and one of the questions that seems like it comes up every week is, are the coaching staff disappointed in Will Anderson? And, and the answer to that is, is it was resounding no. Well, that's a crazy question on top of it. I mean, it's like, give me a break. The guy's playing well. He's making plays. and But I, general fans are like, well, if you don't have a ton of sacks, 
what are you actually doing? Like, well, sacks are not the full-on measure of a, how a defense player is playing, but yeah, continue. Yeah, exactly. You can get a whole bunch of sacks in. But you know, one, Anderson is impacting the game in a variety of ways. He has he leads all rookies in, with 43 pressures. So he's he's forcing quarterbacks to make quicker throws, make quicker decisions that they might not otherwise make. The sack numbers just hadn't got there. But he finally got his sack. And he made his impact fail. He had a, also had a tackle for loss on James Conner, a critical tackle for loss in that fourth quarter where he just kind of one arm, strong arm. James Conner was a big running back. Uh, but he just he was just a guy who, you know, couldn't be stopped. And his impact is huge. He's a, a team captain. He's a leader who a lot of guys look up to. And then you also have Derek Stingley, who was coming off an injury, who, you know, has been hurt for most of the season, uh, suffered a, a hamstring injury at the end of a practice uh, leading up to week three, missed the next six weeks, and then comes in and, and plays a full game this week and got a huge interception uh, where he checked that ball down and picked off Kyler Murray on that deep shot. It was just an impressive play where, you know, Derek kind of read it the whole way. So today, I mean, um, not today, I'm sorry, but Monday, Malik Collins talked about it at his press conference. He said, you know, they're getting, they're only going to get better because they're getting healthier out of their the pieces are going to be coming back pretty soon. And, and this, as long as the Texans can stay, you know, relatively healthy, we can expect to see this team continue to improve as the season goes on. They're a young team under a new scheme learning each other. So this is a, this is a good sign for this Texans team. Fascinating flip of the norm in the NFL is you teams get less healthy as the season wears on because the injuries start to mount. But the Texans had so many injuries early on. Now they're getting guys back into the rotation and back onto the field, um, and which is a good thing for, for them as, as far as trying to make this playoff push. And we'll talk about that in a little bit later. I do want to make this point. Um, the great J.J. Watt, who's headed to the Hall of Fame in about five years from now, had only two and a half sacks through Ten, his first 10 games with the Texans, uh, it, it doesn't happen like that with everybody. And he had five and a half sacks for the entire his entire rookie season. Will Anderson has three sacks already, a lot more pressures and a lot more tackles. I mean, he plays a different position, a linebacker. But still, you, you can be a great player and not put up, or you can play well and not put up great sack numbers. And Will Anderson has done that. One thing I want you to dive into a little bit more there too not only are they getting healthier, players are coming back, and um, so because there were times where they had they were missing all their safeties and starting corners were in and out, etc. Um, we're talking about a first time, first year in D'Amico Ryan's defensive scheme for all of these players. It takes time to learn, not only for the players to learn the system, but for the coaches to learn how to best use each and every player within the system. Yeah, absolutely. You know, previously last year, you know, the, for the past two years, Texans have been running mostly cover two scheme. And, and this year they go to D'Amico Ryan's defense, who likes to run a lot of cover three. Uh, so they're learning a lot in, in, in how they, they're, they're playing teams. They're playing teams a lot different. They're playing a lot more man as well. And you're seeing D'Amico Ryan's kind of put these players, players like Derek Stingley, players like Steven Nelson, um, some of the defensive linemen put them in positions that really suit their games. And I think that's why you see them thriving. Texas really don't have that many new pieces on defense. They have a few new pieces, 
Will Anderson, one of them showed the rankings at defense tackle, but they're not that much of a different team. Defensive team, defensive team. Yet they're still playing at a at a much higher level than they were last year. Like last year, they were one of the worst teams, and we mentioned this previously, one of the worst teams at stopping the run. There's there's somewhere hanging at at ten. Uh, I haven't seen the latest stat, but they're top ten uh rush defense team. Uh and that says a lot. You know, considering where they came from, and and I think that has a lot to do. A credit to D'Amico Ryan's and and Matt Burke, defensive coordinator, uh, for implementing the right uh, scheme for this defense and putting his players in the right position to to have success. And and you know, they talk about it every game. They're playing complimentary football right now. You know, offense playing well, of course. Now the defense is starting to come along, and and you're going to see Jimmy Ward come back pretty soon, and and and. Could be for the first time. You see the Texans have their full uh, secondary all at the same time with Jimmy Ward, Garrett Stanley, Steven Nelson, and, and Jalen Petrie. And, and that's that's good news for the Texans. Yeah, and this is the most important time of the year uh, to to be healthy and have everybody that you planned on having. And you know, I've, I've been covered Belichick, Bill Belichick and the Patriots. He always talked about when we get to Thanksgiving, that, that's when it's on. That's when you know the rest of the season is money time. And Texans are six and four through ten games with seven games left this week playing Jacksonville for first place in the AFC South. We'll dive into that a little bit. I did look it up since you mentioned it. They are eighth in the league in rushing yards uh, on defense, which I'm sorry. There's no way I would have believed they would be a top ten run stopping defense based on the bottom of the league where they've been for the last couple of years and couple of seasons it's really impressive what they've been able to do and if you stop the run it gives you just more to work with in in terms of dealing with the pass and you know they, they've given up some yards and teams have moved the ball a little bit on them they're like 19th in yards allowed but they tighten up in the red zone they make really strong plays on third down and of course yesterday a lot of on fourth down they, they and beyond that, beyond the numbers, you were here all last season. This defense is an attacking defense. They hit hard. They, I mean, they don't do a lot of blitzing necessarily. They did blitz on the final fourth down yesterday, and they're like, "We're gonna go. We're gonna we're gonna end this game right here." But they don't do a whole lot of blitzing. I don't think compared to everyone else. But man, they they attack the ball. And the first thing, one of the first things that D'Amico Ryan said when he was hired or in his you know, introductory press conference was he wants his defense to swarm. And you're like, okay, that's just words. It, it's not words. They are a swarming defense. Yeah, they they get after it. And you see multiple guys on the running back or, or, or on the receiver, whoever has the ball. And, and, and that's that's what D'Amico Ryan has wanted to see. And and, and another thing that players talked about on Monday was, you know, that they feel like they're playing for each other. They have a this this is like the closest they've been in these past two or three years. And uh, you know, credit D'Amico Ryan's for really trying to uh preach togetherness and, and being uh you know, a family and being close and, and I think that's paid off because uh, you see them out there having fun and enjoying themselves and, and, and really getting after it. And and the more they want to play for each other, the harder they'll play. Um, so I think that's, I think that's definitely had a benefit for them. Yeah. And I've, I've written it a couple of times and it's, it's, it's not just lip service. They play with a confidence 
that early on in the season, I was like, they're playing with a confidence that may, might not even fit their talent level. Turns out it actually does because they, they believe in what they're doing and they believe in what the coaches are telling them to do. That may be just as important. But this team, I mean, they, you know, they don't, they don't doubt themselves at all. No, confidence is everything. You know, Jonathan Grenard said it. He said, you better hope we don't have the ball uh, last in our hands. Uh, they have a, you know, because if, if CJ Stroud has a ball late in the game, you know, they've seen him do it three times, even though it's, it's led to two wins. They've seen him do it three times. When they have the ball, they have the utmost confidence that CJ Stroud is going to help lead them downfield and, and score, go ahead, run, or the game winning touchdown. Uh, and, and that that goes a long way, you know, when you're in those situations because you've seen it before. So then now you expected that. So now you play with confidence. Now you hit harder. Now you you're not playing scared. And I, I think that's super important, which, which is also why I think it was important for the defense to come up with those three stops uh, late in Sunday's game, because now they have the confidence uh, that when the offense, when the opposing team steps on the, on the field against them, they can make a stop in case the the um, in case CJ Stroud and the offense are struggling. So, you know, <clears throat> that confidence is huge, and um, I think it's going to pay off down the stretch as they get to these next few games, particularly with the Jaguars, which will be one of the most important games of it, which will be the most important game of their season coming up. Yeah, we're going to get to that in just a second. But let, let's get into C.J. Stroud here. It, we, we should probably get our podcast erased that we're 14 minutes in and haven't haven't delved into the presumptive rookie of the year, and he's still an MVP candidate. He talked about that, and we'll play a clip of that in a little bit as well. Um, the funny thing, it, it came up. Yeah, I'll give you some of the behind-the-scenes or – you know, how the sausage is made type thing that one of our sidebars in writing the story, uh, the game stories from yesterday. And you got to go to HoustonChronicle.com to get all of our Texans coverage. We're all over. We have a full team out at every game. And there's nothing that we don't miss in our coverage of each and every game. And Jonathan does yeoman's work throughout the week as well. But one of the, one of the sidebars was writing about CJ's struggles and, uh, you know, and he took a little offense to the idea that he struggled. He did throw three interceptions and a couple of them were passes that he definitely would want the ball back. One went through a player's hands that was picked off and they were all in the Arizona Cardinals side of the field. But the dude lit it up other than those three passes. He was lighting it up again. I mean, (laughs) he threw for the, second most yards in Texans history in the first half and they went up and down the field in the first half five possessions six more than 60 yards for each possession and you know he had an interception in the first half so they didn't score and then they had a turnover on downs uh, at the 15 yard line but it was not a horrible day of passing he just made three mistakes yeah just three it's, I, I think you know for, I think that was his fourth game with over 300 yards a season, uh, which I think ties a rookie record, if I'm not mistaken. And he's leading the NFL in passing yards a game. Rookie quarterback. And, and there's no way you could have told me that that was going to happen. <laughs> I would not have believed you. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. But after that first half, we were saying, wow, <laughs> you know, another uh, 
uh, performance by CJ Stroud. He started to hear MVP chants from uh, fans at NRG Stadium after he threw that 40-yard rifle, one of the most impressive throws I've ever seen him make um, to Tank Dell on a run where he made the adjustment. Uh, another story that we that we wrote about. But it, it's those plays like that. You know, if, if not for C.J. Stroud, to be honest with you, his play in the first half, they were leading 21-10. They wouldn't have been in a position to win that game. You know, sure, uh-huh. he, he made some some throws, some interceptions. And I, I think that those were, honestly, the result of being a lot more aggressive. You've seen these last three games where the Texans have really turned it up a notch in, the, in their explosive play uses. They really tried to throw the ball downfield and really be aggressive and try to score. And it's worked out for them. And, and I think the more you do that, the more likely you are to make mistakes. And I think two of those throws were, were ones that he probably wished he could have had back. One of them came off hands of a player uh, and kind of got tipped in the air and caught. But, uh, you know, nobody – uh, was down on C.J. Stroud, and he definitely wasn't down on himself. You know, you uh, tweeted out that that yeah. Well, that yeah, let, let let me break that down a little bit here. Um, but real quick, you you just mentioned maybe he was being aggressive, and he was asked about that aggression uh, at the post game uh, press conference. And here's what C.J. had to say about whether throwing a couple of interceptions will. Uh, keep him from being as aggressive going forward. Um, and, man, Steph Curry don't ever stop shooting. I'm going to keep I'm keeping letting it ride, you know. Um, and I, and I'm, I don't got no shame in my game. I definitely got to be smarter, but um, I don't, like, I don't know confidence is taken away from me. I'm going to keep letting it fly. I mean, there's things where it can go either way, you know, and they got the better of me today. Um, and that's just the NFL, you know. So um, I'm, I'm blessed enough to get out, come out here with a dub, and I, my, my confidence isn't going nowhere. I'm going to keep shooting it. I'm going to keep uh, letting it fly. Um, and, and that's what I think that's what makes me great is that those those times where you either get away with it or you don't or you make the play you don't, I'm, I've been blessed enough to have plays where nobody talks about it because they don't make the play. But this game, they made the plays. And um, that's not going to skew my confidence one bit. So he comes out and goes, you know, I'm Steph Curry up in here. Steph Curry doesn't stop shooting. That's That to me is hilarious. And it. It was only what a month ago, three weeks ago, we were saying they need to let him turn him loose, let him play, let him do some more, take some chances when they lost at Carolina. And since then, he's been lighting it up. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing he has only five, he had only two interceptions at that point in time in the season. Now he has five, and that's still among the lowest in the NFL. So, you know, it's, it's hard to, you know, truly criticize. You know the mistakes he made, especially after it ended up in a, in a win. Uh, but uh, you know I, he's based, he knows he he has to take care, better care of the football, which is good. And usually when CJ makes mistakes, CJ Stroud makes mistakes. He usually makes up for it. So you know I don't I don't think it's anything to be concerned. I I, I do think it's something that they have to be mindful of, and I think that they'll uh, be better prepared because they do have six turnovers in the last two games, and I think it's a I think it's a wonder that that they haven't uh, that that hasn't cost them. Um, but I think that just speaks to the explosion of this offense and, and, and the points that they've been able to put up despite that. And he's still in the MVP running in in my book, period. The best quarterback in the league, Patrick Mahomes, has thrown eight interceptions this season. <laughs> and 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 he has fewer pass attempts, 334, to C.J. Stroud's 355. So 
yeah, this rookie is playing like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. That's a testament to how well he has played that people thought he didn't play well on Sunday. It's just, it's like, wow. Yeah. 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 You, almost, you almost wanted to criticize him, but then you look at the rest of his stats and you're just like, well, <laughs> you know, how, how, how much can you criticize somebody who threw for 336 yards, two touchdowns and, and got the win. So yeah, it's a, it's a credit to how well he played. And he talked about not letting, um, everybody else's expectations set their standard for what the Texans want to do. He's not at all surprised of where they are and where they are now. Jonathan is this week. They're a longtime rival. I know you just got here last year, but the, the Jaguars and Texans have been, they, they've gone at it. They used, they had some battles, especially early on when the Texans just trying to feel their way around. Uh, the teams just didn't have not gotten along over the course of time. And it's the Jaguars are a team that the Texans have been able to beat pretty regularly as well. Uh, coming into NRG stadium on Sunday with first place in the division on, on the line. And we're all shocked. The guys in that locker room are not surprised. They're, yeah, they're not. They, they always had that belief um, ever since the beginning of the season, they saw the talent uh, there. Um, you know, when a lot of people doubted, you know, their receivers, you know, C.J. Stroud saw guys like Tank Dell and Nico Collins who were kind of ready to break out. And, and now they face a, a Jaguars team that, you know, this Sunday is going to determine the first place in the AFC South. And if the Texans have two wins over the over the Jaguars, you know, they put themselves in a great position uh, when it comes down to that final stretch of the game if they're tied, then they'll be the winner of the AFC South. Uh, so this is a huge game. Um, and you spoke to the rivalry. Texans have had the Jaguars numbers in recent years, but last year uh, they kind of split that game with the Jaguars kind of whooping them at NRG Stadium. Uh, I think they they beat them thirty four to three. Yeah, it was a it was a it was a beatdown. But you know this, I, I think this game really is anybody's because you got the Texans who are playing extremely well, Jaguars who were playing well before the big defeat to the Forty ers but they. Got to win last week. Um, it's going to be a, I think, a tough, tough game, and and I, I think it's anybody. It's a, it's a pick 'em to be honest with you. But the Texans are three one at, at NRG Stadium, and, and, and maybe and they haven't and they've won their last three um, at home. So perhaps they can pick up a win. And I do expect the crowd to be a different crowd than we've seen all season. Yesterday probably was the best one of the season. Um, you haven't been here. It should automatically sell out every game for you know for twenty years running, and then they hit this lull here the last few years, and they've been slowly coming back. I expect this one against the Jaguars to be a place where it, it's going to be loud and rowdy, and uh, they're fired up. Texans what beat them thirty-seven to seventeen in Jacksonville earlier in the season for their first win of the year. Uh, so you know the Jaguars are coming in going, we need to show these guys <laughs> what we're actually made of. So the Jaguars, you know, we're expected to be a, a dominant team and to win the division. And, and they're in good shape at 7-3. and three. They are one game ahead of the Texans right now. But the Texans are the talk of the town. So I do expect this week to hear some rumblings from the Jaguars. Who, and they've won, what, like uh, six of the last seven games and – I, I I expect them to, to hear some. To, I expect to hear some noise from Jacksonville saying, uh, 
yeah, we respect the Texans, but we're the better team. And, you know, we, we're going to go up there and get it done. So it, it, it could get a little testy this week. I, I just get a sense that something's going to happen just because when you do get a game this big, when first place is on the line between two teams that know each other well and they already played and one team won pretty comfortably, uh, it, it, it could get a little juicy. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think so. Absolutely. I mean, this is a game to watch uh, for sure. Um but I, I think Texans are going to have a target on their back. A lot of the attention in the last two weeks has been on uh, the Houston Texans and, and C.J. Stroud. So I'm sure the the Jaguars are watching that. They know they, they're coming off that two weeks ago. They lost to the 49ers pretty bad. Uh, so the attention hadn't been on Jacksonville as much. Uh, so I know that they'll have a lot of, of motivation coming into the game, especially you know considering you know what you mentioned, that loss, that 37-17 lost earlier so they'll want that payback so mm-hmm. I think it's gonna be chippy just like it was um you know earlier this year and, and last year in the two matchups and uh uh it's I think it's gonna honestly I think it's gonna come down to whoever wins the turnover battle um, I was gonna I was gonna ask you what is the key to the game and you're, you're right about the pick em part the Texans are favored by one point that's that's what the Vegas line has it as so it's a it's it could be a really a classic battle if uh, if both teams play up to their potential. Yeah, I think it's. I don't think it'll be a blowout. I think it'll be another one score game. Texans uh, have been used to this, and I, I think what can help the Texans is is the fact that they've been involved in one score games in each of the last six weeks, and they've come out on top in the last three. So, I think that's great news for them. And um, but regardless, it's going to be a slugfest, and I think uh, any team any team could win this game. And real quick, one final thought from you. Uh, Injury-wise, I know you said Texans are getting healthier. Any major injuries come out of uh, Sunday's win? And nothing that uh, that stood out. Uh, nobody went out for an extended period of time. CJ went out for that one play, but said he got the win knocked out of him. So that's good. It's, that's good for them. Injuries always do crop up throughout the week, um, but – I think what you can expect is you see Damian Pierce could potentially come back this week, uh, Noah Brown maybe, or next oh, year. Oh, and, and real quick before we get – we we said Damian Pierce starting running back, but uh, I mean like Mr. Singletary was <laughs> getting the job done here the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean two 100-yard games in these are the last two weeks. Um, Texas hadn't done that at all um, prior to that. So I think they found something, to be honest with you. And he's, got about, a, he's got a different running style too. Yeah, right? yeah, he, yeah. Definitely, he's he's a quicker back. He's he's been in in this type of offense um, before, uh, so he has the experience there. But um, you know, talked to Bobby Slowick last Thursday, who said that he's going to do a running back by committee approach. So he's going to use both backs. But you may see Devin Singletary be the lead back, given his success the past two weeks. Uh, but I think they'll continue. I think they'll split and they'll try to use as many, uh, as many running backs as they can to keep both of those players fresh. If Pierce is able to come back, of course, as as it stands now in the AFC playoff standings, the Texans would be the sixth seed if the playoffs begin now as the number two wild card. They still have to play the Cleveland Browns coming up uh, in a few weeks, which is currently the number five one. They have the tiebreaker over the Steelers, who's number seven. You have a tiebreaker over a bunch of the teams that they might be battling against as they go forward. And at six and four, with seven games to go, 
10 wins is not out of the question for this team. And you, if, you, if they win 10 games, they're in the playoffs without question. 10, 10 wins might win the division. He will win the division if they win uh, this Sunday. Yeah, for sure. Um, because two games against the Titans, both of those are winnable. I think the Broncos, Broncos are playing very well. So that's a different uh, game. Not as easy a game as we thought it might be earlier. Yeah, not as easy a game as we thought it might be. And, and Russell Wilson is taking, taking good care of the football. I think also you have uh, – At the Jets, where the Jets can't score. <laughs> but, but it's road game. There's no gimmies in the NFL on the road. No gimmies in the NFL on the road. But it's a winnable game given the fact that they're going to a quarterback situation where, you know, they just uh, benched Zach Wilson. And we'll see who the quarterback is when the Texans play them. But D'Amico Ryan and Robert Sala, they know each other. They play the same defense. They know each other very well. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting game. But, you know, 10, 10 games, Browns going to be tough, tough game. Browns have a, a great defense, but they also have a quarterback. The rookie quarterback started for them on Sunday. Exactly. So I think um, a lot of these games are definitely winnable. There are no games where you say, oh, the Texans are going to lose this game. And they've kind of proven that throughout the year that they can beat just about any team. Um, and they play the Colts again in the rematch game, and I'm sure they'll want to get that win. Um, in Indy, where they won last year on that last second touchdown that got them CJ Stroud. <laughs> so, 10 wins is definitely uh, attainable. Uh, and I, I think it'll depend on the health of, of CJ Stroud down the stretch, the health of, of their key players. And, and, and that's what's going to help them. And, and teams to always talk about getting better, and the Texans, clearly, with so many young players in key positions, are getting better as they go along. And they're already good. It, it is as simple as that for us to say the Texans are a good football team. Yeah, I, I do. I think they're a lot better than what we, you know, thought they were. Um, and I think, that, like like I mentioned earlier in the show, I think D'Amico knows how to use his players the correct way. I think they've had talent all along. Um, but the biggest thing that they upgraded at was getting a quarterback, somebody who could deliver the ball, uh, who's playing – uh, among the top quarterbacks in the league, MVP candidate, and when you have that, you instill a belief in a team, uh, and you start you start thinking that nobody can beat you, and you start thinking that you can win these games and that you have a chance. And I, I think I think that goes an extremely long way. All right, that's Jonathan Alexander, the Houston Chronicle beat writer, covering the Texans. I'm Jerome Solomon. Hey, follow us and. Wherever you get your podcast, you already listened to it here. But uh, give us a like and give us a review. And we'll be back every week keeping tabs on this winning Texans team. That's but maybe the biggest surprise in the NFL right now. And thanks a lot to Pirate Audio for producing this. And we will see you next week after the game for first place at NRG Stadium on Sunday. Take care.